On this episode, we're going to talk about vehicle safety, how to keep our cars and RVs and other vehicles less likely of a target for somebody who wants to take something from us, steal it, or break in. We'll also look at how to make these less noticeable, how to have our vehicles kind of hidden in plain sight. Do understand that sometimes the more gray you want to go, the less security you're going to have. So some of this will sound like contradictory information, but take the pieces from it, apply it to your own vehicles, figure out where the balance is for you. Do you want to be more gray? Do you want to be more secure? Which of these will apply to you? That's what we'll talk about tonight right here on Gray Man Hiding in Plain Sight. Welcome to Gray Man, episode number 16 about vehicle security. Right off the bat, the best thing I can tell you is to go talk to a cop, especially somebody local. They can not only give you good advice about vehicle safety and security and how you keep things in your vehicle, where you park, what you do at night. They can also give you some information on local crime statistics, what current trends are, what's been going on, what are people targeting. That is invaluable information. So the best thing you can do, talk to some sort of cop or law enforcement professional or security professional that understands vehicles and especially if they have data on your area. Another thing to consider is some very common statistics. I'm a big believer in statistics when they apply. So looking at this situation, if you want to be gray and you like sedans, the two cars to drive would be the Honda Accord and the Toyota Camry. Those are the two most common cars on the road today, and they have been most years for the last 20 years, two of the most common sold, especially if they're white and silver. Those are statistics. However, there's a countering statistic that says those are also the two most commonly stolen vehicles in the country today. So you have to consider... Do you want to balance commonality versus possibility of theft? And how you balance that out is the type of security measures that you put in place. The next three vehicles on that list for not only what's common on the road today, but also stolen are 1500 series trucks, specifically the F-150, the Chevrolet 1500, and the Dodge Ram 1500. Now you can look these up. They vary year by year, but you also want to look at probably the last 10 to 20 years, what vehicles and what colors are very common. In fact, I think the number six or five in the last year was actually a Nissan vehicle. And I think it's been a while since they've been on there. Some of this is rather surprising because most people I ask think SUVs are going to be in the top five. And they typically aren't. But there's plenty of common SUVs out there. This Ford Explorer has been around for a long time. Jeep Grand Cherokee been around for a long time. And the different variants of those vehicles as well as many others. The other thing we're looking at if you're trying to be gray with your vehicle is... It really doesn't matter that much if you have a very common Toyota Camry. If you live in a place where most people don't even have sedans and they have trucks, all of a sudden you actually stand out. So when you're trying to be gray, depending on where you live, what the weather's like, what the train is, where you're going to drive, and what you need the vehicle for, aside from any other purchasing factor, look at what's common in your area. And I always say the word area is a general term because it depends on the specifics of the situation. So if you're looking at our last podcast where we talked about being common in your area to how your house looks, I would definitely look in your neighborhood, maybe your portion of town. For a vehicle, it depends on what you're using it for. If you're only driving it a mile to work every day, that's your area. But if you use that and you drive out of town and you commonly go shopping or go visit somebody and it's an hour or two hours away, now your area is a little bigger. So you need to factor in what does the word area apply the situation that we're discussing. The biggest thing I see on vehicles today that I think are a threat to the person who owns the vehicle, and I'm actually surprised people still do this after all the mass shootings we've had, especially when they involve children or around schools, they're at public places like malls. I'm really surprised at this, but the biggest thing I've seen is what people add to their car that has sticky material, specifically bumper stickers or stick figure families. That is dangerous and foolish. 
When you put on your vehicle a bumper sticker that says, I support Obama, there's nothing wrong with that. It does make your vehicle stand out. So do understand that. But it typically is not going to cause an issue. But when you put on there, my kid's the honor grad at this school, you just told somebody what school you do or do not visit that your kid goes to. And they can figure out based on following you where your kid lives, when your kid's in school, possibly the grade or age range. They take some photographs and they could do things if they wanted to hurt you or take your kid. Now, this seems very rare, and it really is, but if you look at it or watch TV shows, even real documentaries or talk to law enforcement, it's things like this that can cause an effect where something happens, somebody uses something against you, or somebody just wants to target a child. Some people think, well, this is only going to happen to rich people. Okay, what about the random person that wins the lottery tomorrow and talks about it? All of a sudden, they're rich. Or more importantly, how about somebody that just wants to hurt a kid? Think about going to court. A lot of times... Prosecutors will do things from certain organizations or United States attorneys where they put people in a position where they don't have the finances to properly defend themselves in order to get a plea. That's just part of the game. What do you think a bad guy is going to do? Is he going to target somebody with the means and motivation to actually be able to stop him? Or are they going to try to target somebody that probably can't do anything about it? So think about that the next time you're putting a bumper sticker on your car. What are you really advertising? Political beliefs? I'm not a big fan of that just with the gray man concept. But when you're talking about identifying places that you or your family goes or why you're proud of them or what they do, you're putting a target on their back. And I think that's risky. The other thing you're doing when you put, say, the stick figure family is you're telling them what you got at home. I got a wife. I got a kid. I got uh, a baby and a dog. And they know what's in your house. Now, that's not necessarily a deterrent. But what you're doing is advertising what's possibly home. And then if they want to surveil you and target your home, they can figure out when people there or when they're not. Whereas if they don't know how many people are in your family, it's going to be more difficult. So I think that's dangerous to do. And some people say, I think that's a little too much. I think that's a little extreme. Hey, if that's what's okay for you, then that's fine for you. But I would consider it because I definitely don't endorse those things. And I talk people out of putting them on their vehicles all the time. Now, for those that are curious what a gray man drives, a professional gray man actually drives about two types of vehicles. One is typically going to be some sort of fleet vehicle that belongs to their organization or a vehicle they already drive that's fairly common anyway. Not too often they'll drive unique vehicles or ones that stand out. They'll be told not to. The other thing is they'll buy local. If they're traveling abroad, they'll buy used vehicles typically, ones that are very common, common colors. Sometimes if they have a little abuse to them but don't stand out and they run very well, very unique situation they might get a high performance vehicle but that's actually very very uncommon so it just depends on what they're using a lot of fleet vehicles or up armored suvs or armored sedans those things do exist as well as regular travel vehicles that are used for different departments and then the local stuff they use on their own they just make sure that they can drive it and handle it well and these people are all trained in defensive and offensive driving courses basic mechanic skills and they try to get what they can that's going to work for them in just about any situation where they're at without standing out. And they're able to do that by profiling their environment, their area. That's why I mentioned, what is your area? What do you have? Are you moving? What are you going to be doing? Are you buying a new vehicle? What should you look for? There are many basic security measures you can get as add-ons to vehicles, sometimes as part of a package in a nicer vehicle, something you have to purchase on your own. But there's things to know and understand to realize how much money you may spend or if you're not going to spend any. But start with the free aspect, exactly what I talked about in the last video for your home. Walk around your car, look in, and what can you see? What looks like something somebody wants to take? Those are the things you need to hide, remove, or cover. So if you go even to the grocery store and you go there all the time and up on your dash, you've got a cell phone plugged in, you've got a GPS device, 
You've got, say, a laptop or a bag that might have something in it sitting in the seat where you can't see inside the bag. That itself is a target. Now, there's also deterrence. For example, I have a dog in my truck most of the time, so when she's in my truck, I could leave out anything I want. I don't, but I'm just saying having a dog in your car is definitely a deterrent, but not everybody has that. The other thing people say is, well, I'm just going to the grocery store. Nobody's going to break in my car in a grocery store. I would agree that during a high traffic middle of the day, that is less likely, but it's also very easy to do because how many people know that's your car? Where are you? How many people are blocked themselves out of a car all the time or trying to get in? How smooth are they getting that car? And the other thing is, if they get in that car, they're probably not going to steal it. They're just going to rob you. So when you're hiding those things, try not to immediately put them in the places somebody's going to look like laying under your seat in the center console, in the glove box. Those are the places they're going to look for immediately. So you have to determine how else can you hide those items if you need to hide them. Can you carry them on you? Can you put them inside containers that are underneath other containers? And depending on the size of your vehicle, this can get interesting really quick determining what you're going to do. The other thing you can do too is they sell little safes you can get that usually size to hold a small book, a handgun, cash, things like that that fit under your seat. If you're looking into that, look for two things. One, make sure it either comes with a strong steel cable or has a connection for one. So you can wrap it around the bottom of the seat so that they'd actually have to cut it, which usually would deter most people. They're not going to actually take your car. The other thing is compare those boxes. Don't just buy them online. They have different thicknesses of metal. They're all pretty thin, but you definitely want a thicker one. And the reason why is you can look for videos online where you have these little boxes. They have a simple little key lock on them that are not much different than an RV external storage door. And you'll find that you can actually just slap down on them and they pop open. So they're not always that secure. So make sure you do your research on those and you don't spend all this money trying to secure something for valuables in your car and then come back and find it open one day. Now, anti-theft devices like alarms, whether aftermarket or with your vehicle, are helpful. But in some cases, they're not really that much of a deterrent. I hear people all the time where those things go off because they either click the panic button on their keys while they're watching TV or actually when they're trying to get in. And some people look, most people ignore it. I've heard people's panic alarms go off at their house for like 45 seconds to a minute and a half, probably looking for their keys and people just ignore it. So don't totally rely on that. Somebody who really knows what they're doing once they try to pop that lock and the theft device goes off can actually disarm it quicker than most people can to have the key fob when they're surprised that their alarm's going off. So the point to that is, if you hear that going off anywhere around you, go look and see if it's your car. Because if somebody's trying to get in there, they'll get in and out before most people can actually turn that off when they're holding the fob in their hand. Another thing to look at are lock devices for your steering wheel. Those are kind of disappointing. I think you can still buy it, but for a long time on TV years ago, they used to have this thing called the club. It has like the two hooks and you put it in your steering wheel, spread it apart and it locks in and it stops people from being able to turn your steering wheel or something. And their big selling point was you can't cut through it with a hacksaw. Well, that was true, but you know what you can do? You can go right next to where it's on your steering wheel, cut through your steering wheel with a handsaw, slide it over and pop it out. So remember that if you're buying anything that's a gimmick device, find out if there's a way to defeat it because there usually is. Another thing to look at too is secure devices have one of two functions. Some are to stop people from wanting to take your car, but don't necessarily stop somebody from breaking into it. Some work the other way around. So an example is VIN etching. It's uh, etching that can be done on the glass on all the windows and windshields of your vehicle. Somebody sees that, they'll look for that if they're a car thief and they're less likely to take your car because they have to replace all the windows. It's not as easy to move and it can be more identifiable. So they definitely don't want to steal your car. VIN etching doesn't matter to a guy who just wants to break the window or pop the lock and go in and steal something they can see. 
So you need to combine things as much as possible. What's going to stop my car from being stolen and what's going to stop somebody from breaking into it? If you're looking to add security features to keep somebody from taking your vehicle or even just somebody from like a teenage kid at home taking the keys and jacking the car when you fall asleep, get a kill switch installed. A kill switch is a switch you can place. There's ways you can do it. All kinds of people can explain them to you, but they typically shut something off in the automotive center in the engine to stop making it function. It might disconnect electricity from the battery. It may stop the fuel pump from working or stop the ignition from working at all. And what it does is make it so somebody who has a key or tries to hotwire the vehicle cannot get it started or get away with it. If you like the idea of an alarm or you want to get an additional type of alarm, you can also get tilt and brake sensors. Brake sensors are a type of alarm for when the window's broken and goes off. It's similar to the type of sensors you can get put in a house. Tilt sensors are for a significant change in the vehicle's pitch or yaw. For example, like if a tow truck's trying to take it or somebody's trying to hitch it up to a vehicle, it'll most likely go off. Could get set off by somebody bumping into your car, but they usually have to bump into it pretty hard. There are also things like GPS trackers you can get on your car, not just a GPS device for driving, as well as companies like OnStar. Those are all ways to help track your vehicle if it's stolen, and even some of them will record things inside your vehicle if they think somebody's taking it or if something's going on and they have security features just like an alarm system in a house. However, comma, these are also things that cause people to track you, surveil you, or have access inside your vehicle for surveillance, including recording. No matter what their companies say, it's no different than any other type of data collection or surveillance on phones or computers. So it's not something I would do or recommend if you're looking more to be gray, but they are great tools if you're looking more for security of your vehicle. Overall, though, depending on the types of layers of security and how cheaply you can go for one-time purchases, in general, I think some of those companies, you're paying a lot more than what you're getting. Um, Because the truth is, if your car is a target and somebody takes it, in most situations, it's not going to be recovered unless it's just some guy on the side of the street who decides to take your car. Most cars that are stolen are taken by pros, and they're dismantled and gone rather quickly. So if you have an expensive, high-end car, a targeted car, and you got the money, sure, I would definitely look at something like that. For the everyday driver, if it makes you feel better and you really like it and it's recommended by people you trust, then I would absolutely get it. I just personally don't recommend it until people look at other security measures they can put in place on their own. There are also different types of keys you can get. You can get smart keys that are kind of a wireless or radio frequency operated smart key device, just like people have remote car starters. And also your keys matter. A lot of older cars and a lot of younger people don't even realize this, have a couple of hard keys you stick in the lock just like in your house. And it's almost funny to me that we don't have a lot of these other keys we have for vehicles now on our homes. I'm not sure why that never caught on, although personally I'm glad that it hasn't. But we also have key fobs with a hard key attached or you have key fobs with no key that just being in the area, you can open the door just by touching it and use a push button to start your car. The thing is, the more elaborate that key system is, it's more convenient and usually costs more to replace it. But it's not really the security feature you think it is. Those remote fobs where you can either walk up and touch your car and push start it or you can just push the button, unlock it. They're no different than a garage door opener. They're not a security feature. Don't think of them that way. They're just something that's there for your convenience. So don't confuse convenience with security. But if you want to be gray, you need to start looking at vehicles in your area, things people are doing. So let's say you drive a similar make and model to most people. Maybe it's not the exact same, but it looks the same. Start looking for some consistencies and differences between your vehicles and there. And some of these suggestions are going to depend highly on what you want to do and how convenient it is for you and whatever you want to put in. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. They're just some thoughts. 
So one example is if you look at a lot of sedans, especially SUVs today, they actually come built in with the rails on top to put in the cross beams for a roof rack or storage. Sometimes those come installed with the two cross beams and sometimes they don't. So that's one thing to look at if you have that type of vehicle. What are other people doing? So let's say you have them on there and most people aren't using them and you want to be more gray, you want to look more like them, just take them off. If people have them and you don't, you can usually purchase them rather cheaply and have them installed. Another thing to consider with those is that if a lot of people have them, you can definitely check them when you're purchasing a vehicle or take a look and you might notice on certain vehicles, not all of them, especially if they're factory installed, there's actually a pretty standard distance they just happen to be put onto that track from the end of the track. So one of the things you can do on yours if it's only there for aesthetic value or to blend in is you can move it a few inches, nothing too noticeable, just as an identifying feature so that if your vehicle is taken one day or you're not sure where your vehicle is or you need help finding it, it gets stolen, whatever, one of the identifying features you can say is I have the cross beams for the roof rack and on that vehicle, the stock installation that most cars come with happens to be 14 inches from the end of the rail and I moved mine to 16. Now you're like, well, that's that's pretty little. What else can I do? Other things you can do that I've done and I use today is I write on my vehicles, um, write on the rubber on the tire. I make certain symbols or notes, something that's specific to me, very unique, but doesn't necessarily say any personal information. I do this typically with a paint marker or chalk made for tire, something that's gonna be long lasting. And when I ride on the tire, I do it on the inside of the tire underneath the vehicle. And I try to use a darker color so that if you're standing back, even if you're just looking under the vehicle, say you're looking to see for some other reason, something was hung down, did I hit something? If it's right there staring at you, you don't necessarily know it is. And that's so that it's always there and it's another identifying feature. And if you choose to do that, take your cell phone or whatever, take a photo of it and save that photo. That way, if something happens, you need to identify your vehicle. You can say, look, if you go to the inside of the rear passenger tire and look all around it, you're going to find this. You're going to have to look close, but I put this on there to help identify my vehicle. I think what I'm asked most about is aftermarket parts, aftermarket installation and things that stand out. And it really depends on what it's for. Most things that are performance-based, most, not all, aren't things you can see just by looking at the vehicle. You can notice certain things, like people get different mufflers with exhaust or exhaust tips. Sure, you're going to notice those. But when you're putting performance parts inside the vehicle, typically not things you're going to see. Most, but not all, of the aftermarket things that have aesthetic value, you can see just by looking at it. So if you're looking for aftermarket stuff, but you want to be more gray, you got to balance that. What do you really need? Is it something you want or something you need that you're preparing for? You know, if everybody has a four inch lift on their truck, no problem. You put a 10 inch lift on there, you're going to stand out like a sore thumb. So you just got to balance what these parts are, what they're for, and what's really common in your area. Because the other thing too is when you modify anything or purchase anything, and let's say it's very common to whatever we're defining as an area for the subject, once you leave that area, it may not be that common anymore. This goes back to the original recording of this podcast where I talked about most people talk about gray man can only do it for a few minutes and talk one subject. And they always talk about your appearance and what you wear. And I said that was stupid for a very specific reason. There is no such thing as a physical appearance that works everywhere all the time. There are things that are going to work where you're at for that moment or temporarily or in the short term. But when the situation changes, the conversation changes, it doesn't matter. It's more about your behavior. So do understand that no matter what you're looking for, just look at that Camry early on. 
Camry sounds pretty good in a lot of situations, and there's some places where it's going to stand out like a store thumb. So make sure you're balancing anything you do with purchasing or modifying a vehicle to your travel, your radius, where you're going, and what's going to make most sense for you. One thing I've told people too is there's things you can add to your vehicle like stickers that I said earlier is a bad idea that you can use to blend in. So for example, when I mentioned having a sticker for an elected official, whether it's a sheriff or a president, okay, that's not really a big deal. You're identifying your politics. Depending on what your neighborhood's like, yeah, maybe somebody driving behind you is going to say something, but more than likely you're not going to hear much about it. Now, one thing you can do, which honestly in America a lot of people won't do, so many people, regardless of age, and it actually is people that are Generation X or older, tend to identify their value as a person based on who they voted for. So a lot of them won't do this. But I've told people, if you're trying to blend in more, if you're in a neighborhood in an area you drive around and it tends to lean one way in politics, like let's say it leans liberal, and you see the signs everywhere, people's got the bumper stickers during election season and you want to blend in more, but you're not a liberal, put the liberal sticker on there. If you're that serious about blending in, go that far. Take it off when the election cycle is over. A lot of people won't do that, but you can add simple things like that that are generally a bad idea just to send the message you're like everybody else and people just don't pay attention. And it's unlikely you're really affecting the election just by one sticker. Another thing to look at when you're trying to hide in plain sight with your vehicle is actually pay attention to the general cleanliness of most vehicles in your areas. Most places, I think, are fairly average on their cleanliness. There's some places where people keep their cars very clean, but there's some places where people don't clean them at all. So what I tell people is, look, if you're in an area where people really don't take care of their vehicle exteriors that much or clean them, it's not that big of a deal to you and you're really trying to hide in plain sight, don't keep it too clean. Or when you do clean it, let it sit there for a couple days if the environment allows for it to get some dust and dirt on before you start driving around so you don't stand out. Generally, though, I'm a big favor of keeping vehicles clean and well-serviced because you never know when you're going to need them. But do keep that in mind. How clean are people keeping them in your area? If you do want to spend money on something aftermarket that can help keep the inside of your vehicle less noticeable as well as yourself and it didn't come with the vehicle, I would recommend tinted windows. Being in the Southwest, I love them. But tinted windows, depending on how dark they are, make it a little more difficult for people to see inside and especially to see you even when they're stopped at a stoplight next to you which is actually kind of the goal. You don't want them to have time to look at you. Most people don't pay attention to other drivers unless they're stopped. Most people don't realize that there's ways to make turns and get good visuals of other people, which we'll talk about in later podcasts. But when you're stopped at a light, especially in a city, people look around. And if they look at you and get a few seconds looking at you, you can be more memorable to them. So that's one way that you can definitely cut back on that by having those tinted windows. On the inside of your car, there's actually things that are very common people don't pay attention to, like how many people have kids or toddlers, how many people travel, how many people have pets. One of the things that's very common to see inside a vehicle is some sort of blanket. And the blanket doesn't need to be too unique. It just needs to be a regular everyday blanket, something that would look like a person might use to stay warm on a long travel that also might be good for a kid or a pet. So just a medium, normal size blanket. I always tell people to keep one in the car, not for prepping purposes, survival, or anything like that. But that gives you something that you can just have laying around the car that looks normal. So when you have items you don't want people to see, you can just cover them up. So if you go to the store and buy some large item in a box that you got to put together, you can take that and throw it over it. If you have too many items or bags in there that you can't hide, but you don't want people to see them while you're not there in the vehicle or even while you're traveling, just throw the blanket right over them. Something else to look at, too, is even if you have tinted windows, people can see you from, say, across an intersection or driving on the road, depending on the speed. One thing I tell people to do is, 
Now, granted, this can play into, especially with hairstyles. You know, it really depends on what you want to do. For a lot of people, it doesn't matter. You have a way that you're dressed for the day. And let's say that doesn't involve, say, hat, sunglasses, or scarf. I actually keep things like that in my vehicle, even though I tend to wear sunglasses most of the time in this area. And I tell people, look, you want to kind of hide your identity just a little bit while you're driving? Wear some of those items. Especially a woman. If she can throw on a scarf and some sunglasses and a hat, and then she takes those off, nobody's going to recognize her because they don't see her clothes. So keep that in mind, too. You want to cut down on people remembering you or having a good idea what you look like. Add things to the shoulder and above while you're driving your vehicle that you're not going to wear outside of the vehicle or that you can easily change, and that will help hide your identity so people aren't looking at you, or even if they look at you remember what you look like, they're actually only remembering the accessories you're no longer wearing. Something else to consider, too, especially if you're trying uh, not to stand out, is to be consistent with the items in your vehicle that you use all the time. What I mean by that is I have a GPS device in my vehicle I use sometimes, and I use it when I travel. So I actually do it kind of the opposite of how people would think. I actually have it in my window all the time around town, my normal driving for most of my life. I actually like it because I can see turns coming, but I keep it up there to be consistent in what's there. And then when I'm parked long term or places where I need to, I take it down. But when I travel, when I'm actually using it to drive through several states or thousands of miles, every time I stop the car, I take it down. Because I stop at places like truck stops a lot to get gas. I don't actually stop at a lot of local grocery stores. And you can tell who's traveling when you're at those truck stops. And you actually can set patterns and identify that people that tend to travel have GPS devices up unless they're using their phone. And although they're not as common as phones anymore, it's what I like to use. So I actually don't have people see me with it up until I'm in motion. So if I travel, as I'm pulling into, say, a truck stop, for example, I take it out of there before I even park. So nobody sees me do it when I park. And then I'm back on the road before I even put it back up there. That's just what I choose to do. But when I have my everyday life, I actually have it up all the time because a lot of people here where I live actually have those things up and in their windows all the time. That's why I leave them up there. Another thing to do that can help you with security is to have photographs of important documentation. So like for me, my insurance company, when my insurance renews, I get two insurance cards. I put one in my vehicle and I carry one in my wallet because I'm covered to drive any vehicle. That's why I have it in my wallet. And then I take a photo of it and I save the photo on my phone. I take a photo of my registration and I save the photo on my phone. And I use those documents as hard photos on my phone because what happens if I'm somewhere and something happens and let's say I can't find the paperwork or there's a vehicle accident and the paperwork's gone. And I don't have signal to get on those sites to show them that. I have hard photos of it. And it can also help during an investigation, whether it's just a vehicle accident or whether your vehicle's taken. The other thing, too, is let's say there's a situation involving law enforcement. They want to see those cards. I've done this where I've opened my phone and said, I have it in my car. Take me a few minutes to dig it out because I just got in a wreck or whatever happened. But I have a picture of it. I'll give you the number. You can start running the info. I'll go get you a hard copy. Cops have appreciated that. But I definitely recommend making photos of that and having it on your phone. Of any important documentation you might need like that is in regard to your vehicle. There is one thing I want to point out that not only is a safety feature of your vehicle, but actually helps you be gray. And that's learning how to use your mirrors. And when I say that, I say this. Generally speaking, almost every car on the road today does not have blind spots when you look in the rearview mirror. If you think it does, it's because your mirrors aren't set up properly. You need to learn how to set up your mirrors because if your side mirrors are set up correctly, you have almost no blind slot or it's only a matter of inches at several feet at that angle. 
There's very few vehicles that have blind spots, and most of them are off the angle of the A-frame in the front of the vehicle like FJ Cruisers. When sitting in the driver's seat, if you look, whether you just glance or turn your head, and you look out your side view mirrors, and you can see or barely have to shift at all to see the edge of your vehicle, like the sides, your vehicle isn't set up correctly for mirrors. It should be set up in a way where somebody can be in the rear view and as they say change lanes on a freeway they start to appear in your side mirror while they're still in your rear view mirror what that allows you to do is not only see more of the road and realize that there aren't really any blind spots with a little practice it makes it easier for you to barely shift your head at all which is noticeable to vehicles behind you and to glance and track where vehicles are all around you so that you can not only see what's happening but you can also escape evade or just get out of that lane into another whether that's where you want to go or where you need to go and this is going to factor in when we get into surveillance and surveillance detection routes having to do with driving and using your mirrors to find out if you're being followed at the beginning of the recording i did mention recreational vehicles and it was to remind me of something i don't think a lot of people know if you have an rv like a fifth wheel or travel trailer most of them at least on the outside have one or more external storage containers where you open them up you can throw a cooler in or People keep the hoses or the the chairs they use camping and they're they're outside and you just have this little simple key on there. And typically that key works all around it. Here's a fun fact. That key works on almost every other RV. It doesn't even matter if it's the same maker model. Almost any of those can be opened up by the same key. If you don't believe me, go try it out. Take the key you have, go to a dealership and tell them you just want to walk around and look at some fifth wheels and they leave you alone. Take your key out and just start going to different brands and makes and models and you'll see that they work and they open and that's something to keep in mind. I know guys that have had a lot of things taken, especially if they store those outside of a fence line at their home in a more remote area, they put them in a storage facility or even if they take them camping long term or travel with them and they leave them in one place, stuff gets stolen. So if you don't believe me, go try that out and then start taking the items out of there and storing them inside the trailer when you don't need them in those containers. That way you know that they're more secure. However, comma, those doors aren't always that secure either. It depends on the types of locks that are on those doors. So don't ever think of that traveling home as any type of secure facility and keep that in mind. One thing to look at too, especially if you're trying to be gray and it's not really safety related, is things that dealerships put on your vehicle for you because God bless them, they want to advertise their companies. One of the things that's very common is for them to put a license plate frame that advertises their dealership. I take those off. In fact, I tell them to take them off. It's happened enough in the last few years, you actually find that they'll have some sort of decal that's affixed to the body that advertises their dealership. I tell them to take that off too, but you can remove those. I don't like having them on there. I bought the vehicle for me not to advertise their company. The thing is, too, is most of the time they're pretty shiny and bright and draw attention. And I don't like it when somebody's drawing attention to my vehicle because if they're drawn to my vehicle, they are drawn to me and I don't need that. Now, I know a lot of this is like contradictory information because some are safety features and things to stop the vehicle from being stolen. Some are just to stop people from breaking in and some are leaning more towards the gray man concept of how do I hide my vehicle? And it's a lot of little things, but that's where the balance comes in. It's just like in the last podcast when I talked about putting different types of hedges and the security feature that they have around the windows of your home. You're balancing certain things. What is aesthetically pleasing to you? What brings you pleasure that you like to have? And you need to consider that if it's important to you, and then balance that out with how much security you want. 
How important are those roses to you? How important is the hedge to you? How important is it the color of your vehicle to you? If those things matter, then I say don't change them because you're probably not going to even if I say you should. But figure out, even if you're just doing your own research or actually talking to a law enforcement or security professional, what's the deal with vehicles? What's getting taken? What's getting stolen? What mistakes are people making? What should I do differently? What can I do differently? Just throw a simple blanket in your car or a jacket you would keep in there all the time that you can use to cover items so people can't see them. Make sure if you want to buy one of those locking safes that you know what you're buying and it just can't be popped open with a fist. If there's things you want to remove from your vehicle or add to your vehicle that can be seen easily from the outside, especially if it's an external product or accessory. If you're trying to be more gray, just balance it against what's going on in your area, what's going on, where I'm going, what are people tending to do, what's going to make this look somewhat similar to everybody else, and balance those things out. I'm going to be scheduling soon my next live show as we're doing a four to six podcast series on different security things. We're going to go into other shows, including mass shootings, mass shooter situation, active shooter situation, things you can do. Basically covering some similar things you've always heard, but a lot of things you haven't. We'll talk about security planning and some of these other features. Get it up to the bigger level of how security stuff is taught at different agencies and law enforcement levels. And then we'll bring this into a podcast in a couple of weeks that I'll start advertising here soon where you can come in, ask your questions on things related to physical security of yourself, digital security on the Internet, your vehicle, your home, active shooter situations. That's what we're going to be covering on this series. Thank you for listening. We look forward to giving you a show next time. Don't forget to like and share with anybody you think will find this of interest. Check the show notes if you're new here and you want to send messages or follow us for daily Gray Man Contact on Twitter or Facebook. You can also find the link to the YouTube video down there where I just recently did a live show with a police officer on false flag psychological operations, information warfare, and propaganda that you may find interesting. Thank you, and we look forward to seeing you again right here on Gray Man, Hiding in Plain Sight.